Welcome to the Practice X Factor, the place to be for mastering membership plans for your business. Here, you'll learn exactly how to grow your patient relationships and accelerate your profits without getting stuck on the dental insurance bandwagon. Welcome to another episode of the Practice X Factor. And as always, we're here to bring you relevant and exciting content to uh, build a membership dental practice. And today we have a really great guest on that I've been excited to talk to for some time. And I'll tell you a little bit about Barb, um, Barb Stackhouse. But she is a registered dental hygienist, but she's also a profit first specialist for dentists. And um, a little bit about her history. Um, she was a hygienist for many years in private practice and I helped her understand the stresses and things we go through as practice owners and running a busy, busy practice. Um, and she also has a uh, degree in dental health education and a master's in educational leadership. So now she's a, uh, she's a, a coach for Profit First for Dentists, and she knows dentistry from uh, working in the trenches as well as from a leadership and a growth level helping practice owners. So Barb, welcome to the podcast. Uh, great to have you. Uh, what else would you like to tell our listeners about you or about your business or about how you got to be where you're at now? Thanks, Tyler. Um, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me, excuse me, little frog there. So personally, I, I love dentistry. And you and I kind of chatted a little bit before and you know, I feel like the, the coaching, consulting side of things, I actually get to help more patients now because it, it's such a beautiful thing to have an impact on other people who are serving those patients. And when we can make things better for everybody, the patients win in the end. So I still love dentistry, um, still very much, you know, love to keep up on what's going on in dentistry. Uh, but as you said, I'm a profit first professional, and that's really my focus now and what I do. And I wrote the book Profit First for Dentists, um, and that's that is my company. I, I that's what I do. I help dentists with the profit first methodology. But as you know, there's so much more in the practice too that impacts that. So that's a little bit about my background and, and my passion. And um, I grew up on a farm in Indiana, so I'm. Uh, hardworking and, you know, kind of grew up with that whole work ethic and um, taking care of others, you know, be, making sure people are taken care of. So that's who I am. Very cool. So, so tell us kind of how you got into, uh, you know, the whole profit first circle from being a hygienist. Obviously, you, you know, hygienists have a, have a certain level of understanding and knowledge in a dental practice because, you know, the barrier to entry to become a hygienist is higher than it is usually mm -hmm. to become like an office manager or an assistant. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've, as you and I have talked a little bit and I've kind of read up on some of what you've done, um, I know a little bit about it, but tell us a little more how you got into Profit First because I, I stumbled upon it uh, probably five or six years ago I think um, one of the one of the mastermind groups I'm in. Um, mm -hmm. It's not it's not dental specific. Uh, somebody had mentioned, 
hey, you got to read this book, Profit First. And uh, I resonated with it really well um, because I think it's it's very practical, but it's also written for uh, someone who's owns a business, not written for the CPA or accountant type. And a lot of bookkeeping and uh, you know cash flow reports and things are are really geared more towards CPAs, and and you got to have them. But a lot of what's measured in there is what we would call trailing or lag indicators, things that have already happened. Where Profit First has helped me really get a pulse on what's happening today and what's coming down the pipe uh, for the practice, and it's it's really a remarkable system. So how did you kind of get into it? Yeah. And what drew you into that? Well, so I've, I've been coaching and teaching dentists and consulting for, gosh, since 2004. So it's been a while. And I had one of the dentists, actually, that I had coached, uh, he said, you got to read this book. He said, I, I read it and I just thought of you immediately because I've always been really strong on the numbers side of things. And part of that just comes from I love math and, you know, just have very strong in that in school. But also my husband, when we were raising our kids, he had a, he ran a construction company and I would come home at night and do his books. And I just kind of taught myself. I, I taught myself how to do QuickBooks and I would take every class that I could take. You know, I'd go to his, his construction conferences and stuff with him and I'd go to all the business classes. So I had a strong background in wanting to know the numbers. And so this along comes the dentist. I coached him and we stayed in touch and he said, you got to read this book called Profit First. And so I read it. I got it right away. I started reading it. And I mean, literally, I was like two or three chapters in thinking, this is amazing. This could really, really help dentists. But Mike McCallis doesn't know dentistry. <laughs> so I was already you know, thinking in my mind, like, how can I make this work for dentists? Because it's a little bit different from what he says in the book. It's still all the same concepts. I still use all of that. Um, all the principles are the same. But it's, it is different with the percentages. Um, for dentistry and how you set it up and what you do. So that's how I found it. And I decided as I read the book and I, as I got to the part where he talked about, you know, they have these profit-first professionals and it was in the back of the book somewhere. And I thought, I, I want to be a profit-first professional. So I called him up. I just I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm a dental hygienist, but I really want to help dentists and I'd like to do your Profit First program, and I was accepted into their program. So that's really how it all started, was, was through a dentist and then me contacting them. Very cool. Well, that's sometimes that's all it takes, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, a lot of interest and some something going on in our life or our practice, our business, whatever, that, you know, it's like that saying, you know, that, the teacher will be found when the student's yeah. ready kind of thing, you know, where all of a sudden it's like, oh, here, here's exactly what I'm looking for. What are the odds? You know, it's amazing right. how much that happens. So um, true. <laughs> yeah. So so what what do you see? Like probably a lot of people listening to this hate math. I mean, a lot of people go into debt <laughs> because, they, because they don't really love math. I mean, chemistry, you have some math, but a lot of people in dentistry, they like biology. They like science. They like the artistic side. They say, "Hey, I don't want to deal with a bunch of numbers." I'm, I'm, I'm kind of weird like you, 
where I like math too. You know, like I not mm-hmm. just like math. I love math. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm one of those types where numbers just make sense to me. It's logic. Uh, I think most practice owners do appreciate math, but you know what what kind of speaks to you know what have you seen work well for practices where maybe they don't have real in-depth QuickBook knowledge or they don't know how to run a whole bunch of practice reports. I mean, what really works with yeah. the profit-first system? I think it's the it's the behavior around what profit-first is about. So it, it is a behavioral system. And what that means is we capitalize on our natural human behavior. So profit-first is set up to check your bank account. And if you know anything about your CPA, your CPA is going to tell you don't ever look at your bank account, right? They're no, you you know you got to look at the profit and loss report and the balance sheet and the cash flow and you know like you mentioned all those different reports that none of them really have all of the information in one place. You know you've got multiple things happening. I always say, and especially with dentistry, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot going on, and with the profit first system. What we're doing is we're taking that bank account and actually having multiple bank accounts that are each for a very specific purpose. So when someone, a business owner, an entrepreneur, a dentist who owns their own practice wants to know where do I stand with my money and they want to know on a real-time basis today, they literally can open up their bank accounts, they can look at their online banking, and they have an idea, a pretty good idea of where they stand with their money because it's a system that has been set up um, to function with our natural human behaviors. So there are activities that happen on a weekly basis, I recommend weekly, where you know money flows in the practice and then you take that money and you divide it up into different buckets, if you will, and those buckets are bank accounts. It's like the old envelope system. You know, I think about my grandparents and how you know money came in and they just cashed their check and they put cash in envelopes for different things for you know to live on. We're doing the same thing. We're just saying it's going to be in a bank account here and we can only spend it for this thing. And so what it does is it forces us to see what money we have but what it's set aside for rather than it all being in one account where we might look at that and say, oh man, we have a lot of money in there. I'm going to pay all the bills. But we're not taking into account, oh, I've got a tax bill over here. I've got, oh, yeah, yeah, i got to pay myself. And, oh, what about setting aside some profit? You know, it's, we're not looking at that. We're not extrapolating all of that out of it. We're just seeing one big number. So the multiple bank accounts is really kind of the magic of the whole system. And it works because people tend to open their bank account to see how much money they have. And when it's set up like this, you, you can actually do that. I'm glad I'm glad you said weekly because I was going to ask you. You know, I know um, there there are different approaches to this, but we use a weekly system yeah. as well. And, and I think what's so great about it, you know, I had a, a a business coach some years back who was like, "Hey, you've got to be transferring." This wasn't profit first related, but right. he said, "Hey, you've got to transfer money out of your main operating account because otherwise, it just tends to go wherever it wants to go." <laughs> You know, it gets used up. <laughs> it just yeah, it's going to disappear. So it's better if yeah. you put some control over it, right? And, and tell it where to go. And what's been so helpful for us is, 
you know, when you're on a weekly basis where I'm transferring money into a payroll account, I already know in my mind about how much payroll it's going to be. So it's, sure. it's an instant way to get a pulse on, okay, are we ahead of schedule or are we behind schedule here? And I, I think it's great what you say of, you know, the the CP the the profit and loss reports and things you got to have them but a CPA's view is so different CPA I think for those listening their practice owners is your CPA is an advisor but you don't want your CPA running your practice you don't want to go to your CPA with every financial question because your CPA's job ultimately is to help you file a tax return and save money on your taxes their job is not to grow your practice and find new opportunities. And if you, you know, like some people call them the bean counters, you know, they say if bean counters take over businesses, a lot of times the businesses will fail because the bean counters just see everything as an expense and mm-hmm. it can actually stifle the growth. So I love that you brought that up because I remember the first, this was like year six or seven in the practice and we had our first sideways year. You know, we, we've been growing every year and for the first year I kind of knew kind of knew, hey, there's something that I, I don't know that's going to happen because I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and and we're not just going to keep growing here without developing some more structure. And so we had this first sideways year, which I attributed to you know, having some of the wrong people um, on the team, which really comes down to my, my fault, you know, leadership fault of me going, hey, I should have either released these people or better held them accountable. But with Profit First, you keep yourself accountable and your business accountable to the numbers weekly. But I remember that year my CPA was like, hey, good news. Uh, you don't have to pay as much taxes this year. And I remember <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah. I don't think that's good news because yeah. if you're paying more taxes, that means the business is bringing more money in. Like it is, right. it is a good thing to some degree to pay more taxes, not more than you have to, but right. paying taxes, you know, some people, I think, you probably run into this all the time, but people just want to write every expense off. But then, like, mm-hmm. if you ever go to get a loan or you need to show some income, you have no income to show because you wrote everything yeah. off. So that's that's actually a dark side of doing something that's probably not the most ethical thing anyway. But uh, you know, aside from that, is you want to you want to pay some taxes, don't you think? Or what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I, you know, my my take on that is if if I am paying some taxes, that means that I did have some income and it's time to be grateful for that because if, if I didn't have that income, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, you know? So are there strategies and things we can do to mitigate taxes, you know, legally? Absolutely. And we all should be taking advantage of those. But I like what you said, you know, your CPA is there ultimately to help you file a tax return. They are there to help keep you legal with the government because you, everybody has to pay taxes. And they're going to make sure that that's done correctly. So their reports that they use are all going to be geared to the taxes and the tax liability has nothing to do with how you run your business or, you know, what decisions you make in your business. So you have to understand that, you know, like you said, a financial coach is somebody that's really going to help you in real time looking at your business and, once you learn the systems, and, and especially, I mean, I love Profit First for this reason. Once you learn how to set it up and the systems within, you can use it for so many more things. So, for example, 
somebody who is really looking to grow their business, to grow their their practice, you know, you have to have profitability to grow. It, it's just the money has to be there to reinvest. But if you continue to reinvest everything, all it does is make your overhead go up. So you have it's like this double-edged sword, right? So you have to have a plan. But I love to use a separate account. So let's say it's time, you know, we think, okay, we need to hire another hygienist. Or maybe if, uh, we're going to branch out and, you know, we really want to look at hiring an associate down the road. Well, how about we just start an account? Or it could even be a piece of equipment. Um, you know, we, we took the class and we really want to, you know, go to the next level and we want to get uh, the CBCT or whatever it is we want to get. We can set up another bank account and we can start moving money from our operating expense a certain percentage every week when we do the allocations and we transfer money. And that account just stays there and builds up. And when you have the cash to do it, or most of the cash, let's say, let's say you save half of what it takes to, you know, to get the CBCT. Well, that's a whole lot better than borrowing all the money. Or let's say, you know, you have six months worth of salary for this new hygienist or this new uh, associate that you're going to be able to cover while you build the business for them to support themselves in the business. Because I don't care what anybody says. When you bring on new people, you're going to take a little bit of a dip before you come back up. And if you're prepared for that, you're not, you know, your business isn't going to feel it. You're going to have the money there. That's an investment into your business. It's an investment in that person, but it's an investment in your business. So I love using those accounts for that. Um, and the other thing I would say, too, about, you know, the typical reports we get from the CPA, again, nothing wrong with those reports. They're used for something different than what, what I'm talking about. Profit first is a cash flow system. And what that means is how much cash came in my business, how much cash went out of my business, and what for. You know, do I have a handle on where it's going, what it's for? One of the biggest things I see is issues with debt. Um, with dentistry, it's, it's a very expensive profession to be in um, because, things, you know, the equipment is expensive, the supplies are expensive, it's expensive to go to school. So I see dentists have a lot of debt, and that's where a lot of confusion comes in when looking at a profit and loss report because the the number there that says, oh, you made this much money, all your debt payments had to be paid out of that. You know, it, it, yes, it's going to show the interest, you know, what your interest costs were, but it's not going to show the principal that you paid on all that debt. So a lot of times they get that question, why does my profit and loss say this, but I don't have that money sitting in my bank account? Well, yeah. that's because of debt. And the other piece with debt that nobody ever tells you when you take out the loan is, you know, when the CPA is doing your taxes, all that principal that you paid back, the government says, yeah, that's equity in your business. You get to pay taxes on that. And I like to call it the phantom tax. <laughs> it's not really money that you have. It's money you spent. But now you get to pay taxes on that, too. So those are some of the things I like to use Profit First for in setting up additional accounts. Now, I don't like to have too many accounts, but if we have something specific that we're working on, we can definitely do that. And, and I've also used the profit account um, to help begin to pay down debt a little bit faster. So sometimes a, a doctor will say to me, you know, my main goal right now is to retire this debt over here. 
Okay, great. We'll, we'll set this up and we'll know how we're going to use it for that. And again, you're still profitable. We're not going to spend all the profit going over there, but we have a certain percentage that we're going to allocate to that. So it, it can be used in many ways. Well, yeah, and then, and then you're essentially borrowing from yourself instead of the bank, right? Because Correct. If, yes. if I'm, if I'm, uh, you know, if, if I'm thinking through this, if I were to go to the bank and spend, you know, borrow sixty thousand dollars for a CBCT or eighty thousand dollars, um, the bank's going to pay the CBCT company directly. So the bank now gets to expense that CBCT. Yep. They're loaning me the money. I can expense the interest, but I don't get to expense the principal on that payment. So that's where you say is. That's the, where one of those phantom taxes can hit you versus exactly. if I save that money up, pay for that CBCT myself, I can now expense or depreciate that piece of equipment without any any money from the bank. And I mean, you, you have to work with your CPA because if that 80000 is just sitting in my account, I could be taxed on that at the end of the year too because exactly. it's shown as extra right. income. So, so there's two sides to that coin, but sure. um, but still it's it's better to have that flexibility you know, because as of as of right now, as of I think two or three years ago, we have no um, we have zero debt on the dental practice. We do have debt on the building, which uh -huh. is in a separate holding company. But, uh, which is, but I would say that's good debt because that's debt that that is against something that's increasing in value. Yeah, it's an appreciating <laughs> asset. because yes. um, the land's going to go up. You know. Sure. Unfortunately, CBCTs they they drop like a rock. However, right. that's, that's why know. we depreciate them, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why you depreciate them. And if you're using them correctly, you're getting good cash flow off of it because the percentage sure. you're doing. But um, what what do you see? You know, well, like and just one more thing about that um, that yeah. whole borrowing from yourself, you know, concept. What's interesting to me, and, and this is true for myself too, when I have that money in the bank, it is much harder for me to make that decision to spend it. I have to really want the thing that I'm going to spend it on. When I get that money from a bank and I borrow it, I never see that cash in my account. So it's super easy to just go spend. I mean, that's, that's why people get in trouble with credit cards because you never really see the cash. When you have the cash there and it's your cash going out of your account, it just, I don't know, mentally it makes me think more. I don't know if you're like that too or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like monopoly money when you're borrowing. Yeah. It's like, yes. it's like, I mean, it's like dental school. You know, you just go in there and they go, yeah, this is about how much it's going to cost, and they give you this rough estimate. They don't tell you that year three and year four, your tuition is going to go up twenty five thousand dollars a year, right. and uh, it's all borrowed money on interest. Yeah. And afterwards, I'm going, man, that was a lot, and and I look at what people are graduating with now. And I think I had it bad at, when I, at the time I was there it just keeps going up. So I think you're a hundred percent right. If I have the money and it's, it's the same concept with patients. I go, Hey, this is why I like a health spent health savings or flex spending way more than dental insurance. Cause when it's your sure. money, you can use it for veneers. You can use it for eyeglasses. You could use it for chiropractor. You can use it for um, dental care, whatever. They have the they have the the freedom, but they're more involved in the decision versus That's when right. you borrow from the bank. You're just like, yeah, I don't know. I just know I got to pay X amount a month. So sure, just just stack it on there, you know. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah. you know, there's always a day to pay that back. Um, and you know, 
the envelopes you were talking about reminds me of when I was a kid. My mom gave me this little box, and it was like a piggy bank kind of thing with three slots, and it had like savings, spending, and charity, mm-hmm. right? And it was, and, and, and that really sent a powerful message to me because now I started paying attention to where things were going, right. even at a young age, because I, I always had a very math-oriented mind, and now I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I get how this works. So I probably yeah. shouldn't just run and spend this allowance every time I earn it. And I think that's what you were saying with, with the envelopes or the buckets. Um, mm-hmm. So so what what do you see, like what's the what's the one or two biggest profit killers you see in dental practices? I mean, what are things that maybe a dentist would look at their profit loss and go, yeah, there there's money. Look, we, we turned a profit this year, and yet you look in the bank account and it's saying zero or yeah. negative. You, you mentioned debt. Is that usually yeah, the I mean, or I, something else? I, I think it is a major one. I really do because I, I think dentists are overextended many times with the debt. You know, the, the payment amount sounds good. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can pay that. But I'm telling you, that payment comes around every month, you know, without mm-hmm. fail. And I, the, the payment amounts I'm seeing and the loan amounts I'm seeing with dentists um, certainly aren't going down. They, they've been going up. And that's just a stress on, on the practice, on, on that dentist. And, and yet, you know, if this is a dentist that is contracted with insurance companies, what's happening there? Well, those fees are going down. You know, we're not being reimbursed anything more. In fact, most of the time it's less. Yet our debt and our costs of doing business have been going up. So I, there's a lot of stress, you know, that dentists carry a lot of this. And so debt is definitely one. You know, I think, because of the pandemic, so many things changed and, you know, the, the cost of supplies, but also the needed supplies. You know, there, there's more needed now than what we had before. So I definitely see that that's gone up, although I think most practices have done a pretty good job of, of getting a handle on that. And really, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things that when you look at your operating expenses, you just have to look at what are you spending in each area? You know, what, what, and, and you can look online. I mean, there's percentages out there. There's standards, right, for the industry. Or talk to a good coach or a consultant. They'll share with you that. And you really want to just try to get yourself in line with where you need to be and understand the difference between your fixed expenses versus your variable expenses. Because fixed expenses, things like your loan payment, it's the same every month, right? You're, your team compensation is pretty much the same every month. But when you go to supplies or lab, that fluctuates. That's a variable expense. So the easiest place to save money is to go look in your variable expenses. But I think, you know, the, the profit killers are having too much fixed expense. So that's going to include debt. Um, and I occasionally I see somebody who they're overstaffed in their practice. Um, what I will say is I truly believe that the percentage for team compensation has definitely creeped up, um, and, and it's needed to. I mean, we want good team members. We need to pay them well, but they also need to be great team members who are giving back to the practice. They're, you know, they're, they're a value to the practice. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Look at your fixed expenses. Just make sure you're not over. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, you know, like – we run a sheet 
like a spreadsheet method. We just look mm -hmm. at where the expenses are going and whose yep. card is paying for which expenses. And it's amazing just going through that where sometimes you can go, man, there's like five, six, seven hundred, twelve hundred bucks here. That I don't know that we really need to spend. I don't know that it's mm -hmm. producing anything. And, and it is important to track it. I mean, a lot of times, you know, practice owners I talk to like, well, you know, we did this marketing and it didn't produce any results. But you look at the phone number and you're like, well, people were calling. You just weren't converting those calls. Right. Exactly. We can't, we can't just write things off. But I agree that there's a lot of waste, a lot of things that we have subscriptions for. I mean, even software, yes. like, yes. you know, you can, you probably have four or five different software subscriptions that a lot of times you can consolidate into one or two. Yeah. And I always off. say it's the $500 thing or the 250 <laughs> That's what they seem yeah. to be like, you know, that's a lot of money going out of the practice. You know, you get three or four of those. That's a couple thousand bucks a month. Well, and especially, you know, depending what your overhead is, but like if your profit um, if your profit margin is, say, 10%, mm -hmm. then you've got to bring in 10 times more money to make that profit as you would just to eliminate the expense, which could be 10 right. times less because it's straight to the bottom line. You know, if, if, mm -hmm. uh, if, I, if I'm going, hey, if I want to get an extra 1000 a month in profit, I'd have to bring in 10000 in collections to, to create that 1000 yeah. if, if nothing yeah. else, if, if all other factors remain the same. I was I was curious though we were talking about this. Do you uh, like do you recommend practices set up some kind of team bonus system or uh, you know yeah great question kind of thing? yeah I get asked that a lot and what I like to do is you got to get a handle first on everything. So when I work with a dentist, you know we do the full assessment, we see what's going on, you know we get a handle on that, we get we get money systems, business systems in place. You know practices, um, many many dentists have worked with coaches, consultants, you know, can train the team and create these systems for your team. But what I love to do is get the business systems in order. And you have to do that. You have to know your profitability before you can start doling out more, you know, because otherwise you don't know. Am I, am I profitable enough to handle this bonus system? And so I like to call it more of a profit share. I mean, you can call it bonus if you want, mm -hmm. but I actually have doctors who set up a separate team profit account and the team is on board. They know that X percent, you know, I, I mean, I've had practices start out with a half a percent of all collections go in that account. And as long as all the bills are paid and we don't have to, you know, our operating expenses, doing fine and everything else is getting funded, then the team gets to share that. And and it can grow. The more we begin to save money, the more we start, you know, looking for the different places where we're buying supplies and the more conscious we are as a team of being efficient and not wasting things. I mean, all of that, it's crazy, but it all adds up. It's amazing. And when you get the team on board helping you do that, absolutely, they need to be rewarded. They're, you know, they're helping you. So I love having a profit account separate for the team. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. You know, we, uh, uh, obviously this practice is to help practice owners create members. We like to think of a member as a, mm -hmm. a longer term yes. uh, relationship than just a patient. Sometimes a patient is someone you extract one tooth, never see them again, or you know, they get a bunch of work done and they don't see the value in the recurring. So I think a member is a recurring patient, plus it's a nice recurring revenue for the practice. But 
Um, I think, you know, I've talked to some practice owners and they'll just make some arbitrary amount like, mm-hmm. well, when I give, uh, you know, my team 1% of all collections or something like that, but I love how you put it. It's got to be thought of as profit sharing, you know, because right. we, we've learned, we've learned the hard way through testing this out different ways over the years, but, you know, we'll figure out if our, say our, uh, say our payroll is 25% of collections, if we're just making the math easy, easy here, mm-hmm. if we say, okay, um, we if, if our payroll right now is 25000 a month and we know that payroll should be at 25% or less of collections, we would say once we hit 100000 in collections for that month, that's when the, the profit share of the bonus would kick in. And that way we're just looking at it as, hey, where are we kind of breaking through gravity and and there's extra because below that, you know, to me, it doesn't make sense if I'm providing a bonus if in that scenario we brought in 90000 or 80000 Right, right. Because you're, you're incentivizing well, team members to uh, to do things that they're – whatever got you there was things that weren't necessarily profitable. And okay. I, I, think, I think it's always the culture – you know, with that membership mentality, it's more about the culture and the work environment mm-hmm. and the fun and the team growth. I think that's the most important thing. I, I think that if it's if the bonus is like the number one motivator to work there, you just don't keep people very long. But I do think right. a bonus makes things fun. We kind of like to approach it like we're playing a game, just something extra mm-hmm. to motivate us. Um, well, and I would say too, you know, with uh, that that scenario that you. Okay, so what happens if something else was really out of whack in the budget for that month, the the air compressor went out, and we had to buy a compressor or whatever. I mean, something happened. We're not profitable then. And if we're a team here, we need to understand those things and work together as a team. Not that we wouldn't necessarily give them something, but we can talk about those things. So just like our home budget, I mean, everybody understands you you can't overspend or you're going to be in trouble. So we can understand that in a business as well. So I, again, I go back to, we need to look at the profitability. It's not necessarily a, a number that we put out there that, oh, if we reach this goal, everybody gets X. Well, maybe we were profitable that month and maybe we weren't. Let's look mm-hmm. at that. So what, what, uh, how much do you recommend like a practice shares with the team as far as uh, you know details well, of, of the numbers, right? I, yeah, I, I mean it depends I, on the I like, size. I like having transparency with team members. Sure. Obviously, you know yeah. I think sharing salaries and hourly, we're always kind of like, hey, that's yeah, you're that, comparing you're comparing to your right. best self, not to other people. But what what kind right. of what's the balance you see of how? A I mean, it depends on the size goes. of the practice for sure. You know, um, and I've. I've had a practice start, like I said, uh, half a percent. I have some practices, you know, doing two or three percent of collections. But and they'll share some share twice a year. Some will do, you know, six months. Then what what we have in there, that's what we share. And then they do another six months. Uh, but here's the thing: everyone on the team understands that when they look at the numbers, their supplies have to be within budget. Their lab has to be within budget. Their you know, they're looking at the key numbers, the key metrics that they can look at to see, 
hey, are we, is our budget, are we following our budget? Are we being efficient? Because what's going to happen if we don't have enough money in the operating expense account to pay a bill and we've got money sitting in a team profit account, they don't want us taking that money out of their team profit account, right? We'd rather mm -hmm. make it work and have enough in our operating expense account. So is there a, a set percentage amount? Not really. I think it's just one of those things you start small and you grow it as, as the team sees that it can happen. And, you know, does it always happen every single month or, I mean, every, you know, single time? I mean, maybe there's some months that we aren't able to put. If, let's say we're doing 3% and we've got a month that we're like, we're really tight this month. We can put it 1% in this month. Everybody understands. We talk about it and we say, okay, how do we overcome this? What can we do next month to be different? So what, what do you suggest, like, as far as transparency with numbers on, you know, rent or uh, operating expenses or lab? What, what's kind of the, the, well, definitely, the spot you see that, that you, we should yeah. be sharing with our, our teams? Definitely the things that the team can have some input and some control over. They need to know. So if you've got somebody ordering your supplies, they need to be involved with that. I mean, they need to know what the budget is. They need to know the percentage. They, you know, you can set up a system for that. That's super easy. Um, if you've got a team member who, you know, you want to keep track of your different lab expenses, maybe you're trying out a different lab, you can have a team member track that. You know, we can we can keep track of those things. We can talk about it, and we can look at what's the quality. You can involve them in things like that. It doesn't have to just be you. You know, they're they're smart. They they know what to look for. Um, so definitely the things that they have control over and the usage of those supplies. Um, and and even you know talking about like we talked about some of those software things. Are we utilizing that? Is the team utilizing it? Does it make sense? Should we keep this? Should we not? I mean, I think, you know, sometimes we may think as the owner, you know, oh, this is just an expense and we're not really using it. And yet, if we took it to the team, they would be like, oh, no, 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 we, we want that. You know, it does this, this, and this. And maybe we didn't know. So I think you have to involve the team on just certain things. Do they need to see all of the numbers? No. Um, I, I'm not a proponent of that. Just you can if you have the level of maturity of your team. That's what I will say. And a lot of times there isn't the level of maturity needed with the team to really understand all of that. So give what you can. Give what information you can to help them and to help the practice. That makes sense. Well, and I know, I know like, you know, we kind of have a guideline of if an order's over $1,000 that – Dr. Williams needs to approve it, either you know, mentally or or written. But I, it really helps. I notice, especially when we're training someone new, because they'll put together an order. A lot of times, I'll do a quick glance at it, and it's like, oh, we're not we're not even ordering this anymore. We don't use this or right. ordering this one instead. And just just that conversation, mm -hmm. helping you're helping train someone and manage the financials at the same time, can save a lot of time and, and headache. You know. And that being said, is we kind of have found a thousand in our practice is the sweet spot because I don't want to know about every fifty dollar, eighty dollar yeah. order. You know, yeah. it just becomes too time consuming um, for for that. But uh, yeah, any any 
do you see any change like the practices you work with nationally do you see any changes like coming through the industry is it harder to yeah. turn a profit is it uh, getting well, easier because of technology do you think that a lot of that's really just overhyped and um, you know yeah. Um, yeah I don't know that it's harder or easier to turn a profit I, I think that once you dig in and you start looking at the numbers dentistry is still a good business to be in I think there is the ability to be profitable unless you're like totally upside down it with debt you know that that would be the only reason and that that rarely happens that you can't restructure something figure it out we can usually figure it out but by and large dentistry is a good business to be in and I you know even through the recessions that you know I've lived through in my lifetime several of them and you know we're we're facing that now we're hearing that's what's happening even through that I mean if you think back to the 2008 2009 um, dentistry flatlined it you know it wasn't necessarily growing but it flatlined where a lot of other businesses took a huge dive so I would say, you know, being able to flatline through a recession is not a bad thing. Um, it's still a good business to be in. It, it's still, you have the ability to be profitable. You just have to get yourself organized with your finances. That's the biggest problem I see. We're not organized. Well, I know it helped us. I mean, you know, even during COVID and everything, you know, we we, mm -hmm. uh, we had some of our best months ever, but then we also had some some months where things were just kind of off, you know, we we're dealing with so much change at once. And yes. It was so nice to have a profit account because as much as we yeah. hated to do it, there were months where we go, Hey, we, we've got some money in there. If we need mm -hmm. it, we can do something else with it. You know, right. I wish I could say it was a perfectly smooth road, but it's not, but it just helps you when you know that it's in there helps with those ups and downs and the banks love you more because they can see, Oh, this person can keep track of cash. They're not spending yeah. it all as fast as they get it. Um, so, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't have a profit account, definitely open one up, even if you can only start with a half a percent or a quarter percent, just get in the habit of, of transferring and read, uh, you know, read profit first, read even better, read profit first for dentists, which Barb <laughs> Thank put you. out because it's, it'll be, it'll be much, it'll be speaking your language um, as a practice owner uh, going forward. Do you see like, uh, you know, the, the DSOs and the corporate dentists, did you see that having a big impact anytime soon or do you still, well, I mean, you're, you're mostly working with private practices. Right? I am. I, I'm working with so what I would call a solopreneur or a mm -hmm. partner, you know, and, and they can have one or two locations. I mean, I'm, I'm working with the, the entrepreneur um, cool. who owns their own practice. And uh, what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing um there's, there's this gradual shift that's been happening in the new grads coming out because the majority of them do not want to be a solopreneur. They, it's just different now. And I think the statistic is that only one in four dentists graduating now really want to like be a single dentist in their own practice, um, which means that the rest of them doesn't mean they don't want to be an entrepreneur, but they don't want to do it by themselves. So they might be in a group of several dentists who own several practices who all can cover for each other and they feel some comfort in that. So I think that's a shift that's happening in the industry. And these, the dentists that are selling these single doctor practices 
you know, that's what they're facing with the grads that are coming out. Well, you know, my experience is it makes for some great associates because you find people who they want yeah. to do dentistry and work. They don't necessarily right. want to own. That's um, right. Or, or, the, or the, I think there'll be some great partnership opportunities coming mm-hmm. through, through that as well. So, um, well, this is great. I've got tons of notes here, Barb. You're a wealth of information. Um, so I appreciate that. Let's, uh, we'll kind of just wrap up with, with sure. the finish line portion here. These are the final three questions. Okay, so the first one for you is, uh, what's a book recommendation you have um, besides, besides Profit First Dentist, which everyone listening to this should go out and read, um, but a book recommendation about for practices that would help them build relationships or trust building um, to benefit a, a membership type practice that you could recommend? Well, um, it, and I know you gave me that question before, and so I was kind of thinking about marketing things, and I'm all about relationship marketing. And I don't know if you know John Jant, um, I don't even know how to say his last name, author of the Duct Tape Marketing. He also has a book out called The Ultimate Marketing Engine. And I love him because he really talks about consistent growth rather than like, oh, do this and exponential, whatever. It's, it's about the everyday consistency. And that's what I have found. In building relationships, it's about consistency. Doing the right things every day consistently, not expecting anything like grandiose, and you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be like, wow, I got to here. That's, this is amazing. So, um, I think that's duct, great. Yeah, duct tape yeah. marketing and the ultimate marketing engine. Both of those are great. Duct tape marketing and ultimate marketing engine. I'll have to check those out. I, I think, you know, some of the research I've seen says in order to, to get the attention of a consumer now, they used to say it would take three to five contacts. Now it's probably six to 12. Yeah, I hear seven. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, the world's just getting noisier. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's just everywhere we go, there's noise coming mm-hmm. at us. Yep. Um, and, and I think even things like practices that are just trying to get new patients, new patients, uh, which which are great. Don't get me wrong. New patients are very important, but... You can overlook, well, what about all the people who came in last week that still aren't right. And just yeah. giving them a call, shooting them a text message, sending them an email, and then doing it again next week. If you put someone on that in your practice, that relentless follow-up can bring a lot of money into the practice yeah. without any, with, with very little additional cost other than the you know human capital to make that call. Right. So I think that's great. Great, great advice. Um, so thank you for sharing those. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's one thing... You wish you knew, or you do differently if you were to start your business or start into dentistry all over again today. I would say it's all about your mindset and your confidence. Um, there's a book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, and I'll tell you that that has really helped me to understand, you know, owning my own business, venturing out on my own. Um, if I really understood that, the mindset piece, and just stop worrying about all the little things and just have the confidence to move forward, you know, with your plan, but really get your head screwed on straight, so to speak, with the mindset stuff. I just think it's key. I, that's deal. great. And a lot of that, a lot of that, unfortunately, comes from all the things we go through, the ups and the downs. Yes, right? for sure. Yes. But, but I, it made me think of um, another book. 
uh, kind of on that topic is um, Psycho Cybernetics. Yes, love that book. That's a great one. And what what I learned from that was, um, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard of it, it's by a uh, plastic surgeon Mm -hmm. named Dr. Maxwell Maltz. And essentially, he found that he could start helping people even without doing surgery just by changing their mindset. But what it talks about is your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's pretend. And that's why dreams can be so vivid and like we can wake yeah. up in a cold sweat or just startled from a dream. But when you um, when you role play these things with your team and you practice with your team and help their subconscious mind gain confidence, then when they talk with patients about things, they're they're so much more confident because their subconscious mind thought all of that was real, essentially. Um, and it, so it's, it's just a powerful way to, to demonstrate of, you know, program our mind with positive thinking and practice, 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 and how we can get, get a better. mindset coach. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I had someone help me. Yeah. yeah. And it works. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very valuable, you know. It's amazing how many practice owners don't want to spend money on a coach, even if it's, you know, Five, twenty, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yet, you know, when you look at how much dental school cost and how much of that time was wasted, yeah. you know, it's like dental school now is probably costing four to five hundred thousand on average. And there's a lot of redundant time and things you spend, and and you know, just investing in yourself over and over is so important. So I, I completely agree. Um, well, the third, third and final question here is how can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or your, your programs, the coaching you do, all the, all the great things you're doing for dental practices? How could they reach out and find I'd more about you? I would say go to my website. Everything is there. Um, and that is ProfitFirstDentist.com. And that's all ProfitFirstDentist.com. Great. So, so no then, S on the end, just dentist. No, just dentist. Perfect. Yep. And on there, you can, if you want to talk to me, I mean, I, I'm happy to talk to a dentist. And honestly, you know, if you just have some questions about it and you want some clarity, I mean, I'm here to help you guys. So uh, there's a little button on there you can push that says, um, let's talk. You can book a call with me right there. Happy to chat with you if you have questions. Um, and it, my, there's a link to buy the book if you're, you know, if you're interested in the Profit First for Dentists book. That is on there, and there's uh, you, you can look at you know kind of a little thing about what I do with dentists and you know in my program. But the easiest way is just you know book a call, let's talk. Um, happy to do that. So if someone if someone kind of someone listen to this, if they say, hey, yeah, I love what I'm hearing, I want to get started with Barb. What's kind of not into the details of it because obviously mm-hmm. that's what you go through. But what would what would be kind of the main things you would be Helping someone out with first, if they said, "Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. join up with Profit what you're gonna go through." Yeah, we always start with Profit First. I mean, that's the foundation of what I do. So, the full assessment of the the financial piece and the practice, and um, setting up the accounts and knowing what percentage to put in each of them, and all of that is explained in the book. But as with most dentists, your time is best spent doing dentistry. <laughs> so if you want some help doing that or that just seems mind-boggling to you with all those numbers, that's what I do. So we start there, but then there are so many things in the practice that impact. You know, it, it, it's one thing to have those percentages correct, but then how do we change the percentages? What, what if I want to reduce my overhead and I want to put more in my profit? How am I going to do that? So I'm going to walk you through how to 
look at your your overhead, how to get it organized, how to, to know what you're spending in each category, how to make changes there, how to involve your team in some of these, you know, the, the supply ordering and having a system for that. Uh, looking at how you schedule because time is money in a dental practice. So we talk about all those things, but we start with the core, which is profit first. So it's kind of like a, almost like having a CFO as part of what you're yeah. doing essentially is getting started. And a lot of a lot of practices are like, I didn't even know I ever needed a CFO, right? Yeah. But it's, it's like, like we talked about earlier, your CPA is really good at looking at what happened in the past, but you need someone to be looking at what's yeah. going to be happening in the future to really get the right and kind of growth in your practice. I'm a teacher at heart. So my whole program is, it's all about teaching you. So it's, it's learning, you know, it's like you're going to school a little bit. I tell dentists you're going to get a, an MBA without having to go get an MBA because you're, you're going to understand, you know, how to run your practice. So ultimately, I want to let go of your hand. You know, if you work with me, I want to teach you. I want you to know how to do this in the future, how to make your own decisions. I'm going to be here to hold your hand for as long as you need. Um, but once you've got it, I, I want to let you go because I want to help other dentists too. And I can only have so many at a time. Very so, cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks. Well, Barb, wonderful to have you on here. Thanks so much. It's very valuable for our listeners, and you covered a ton of great things. Um, if you're listening to this, I think you should go back through and uh, re-listen to the podcast, take some notes, um, share some of these things with your team, make some action items, and and definitely reach out to Barb. Um, and, of course, go to iTunes, leave us a review the podcast let us know what you think good or bad and uh, barb we hope to have you on again someday so thanks so much thank you thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure and happy to to help your listeners so yeah love to hear from y'all awesome have a good one thanks for more tools and tips on how to create an x-factor membership practice visit yourpracticegrowth.com and subscribe to our free weekly email today